On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Hiker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino, the first college football playoff rankings are out, and OU is number eight. We break down why in the National College Football Roundup. We discuss Monkey Gate and preview the big games in week 10 of college football. We wet the beak with Sunday's matchup between the Browns and Bengals, and we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right. Our man, Michael Hosty, will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, November 4th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience, and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Teddy's favorite, Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in November from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $115,000 in cash bonus play and prizes in Riverwind's $115,000 Let's Get Digital promotion. Preliminary drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize drawings will happen at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit Riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, still the one. Now recording this Wednesday night, please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment while you're at it. And Ted, birthday shout-outs. They're rolling in, man. I had to limit to three. I had to limit it to three. Happy fifth birthday. Yes, you heard that correctly. Fifth birthday. To Jensen Heald. Happy birthday, Jensen. What's up, little man? Happy birthday, Jensen. Happy 30th birthday to Andrew Shorosh. I don't know if I'm saying that right, Andrew. S-H-O-R-R-O-S-H. Shorosh. Shorosh? Yeah. Shorosh? Shorosh. Whichever it is, Andrew, you're the man. Appreciate you. And happy 22nd birthday to Devin Miller. Happy 22, Devin. Awesome. Nice. Good stuff. Very nice. Those are really starting to roll in. Yeah, I had to limit it. It's it's getting a little out of hand. Which we're is gonna have to cap this thing daily at three. Is that is that I, a limit? Get them in I, fast. I think that's the best way to do it, right? Cap it at yeah. three. Cap it at three. Okay. Well, I wish OU would have been number three. They were number eight. <laughs> what a transition. What a smooth transition. Now, yeah, first college football playoff rankings came out Tuesday night. Georgia one, Bama two, Michigan State three, Oregon at four, Ohio State at five, Cincinnati at six, ouch, Michigan at seven, what, Oklahoma at eight, 
Wake Forest at 9, Notre Dame at 10, and Oklahoma State and Baylor at 11 and 12. Ted, the Sooners are 9-0, and and they're number 8. Why? What, what, was your, what was your reaction? I want to know your reaction. My reaction is my wife, uh, I wasn't home yet. My wife sent me a text message and said, OU number eight. And I said, I was like, what do you mean eight? She's like, they're number eight for the, for the playoff. And I was, I was in disbelief. I thought, well, surely you just can't look at the TV and see the number next to their name properly. There's no way they're at eight. I, I was shocked. Totally shocked that they were number eight. I, I thought they would be at, at the absolute worst. I thought it was seven, right? You and I, we had had some conversations privately. Six. We're like, I, th- I thought six, I, I thought it was going to be six, but I was like, dude, there's, there is a world where there's seven and we're all freaking out. I did not think Michigan was going to be ranked ahead of them. I did not. So I saw it and I was actually full disclosure. I was watching it on my phone uh, during a nonprofit board meeting. I didn't feel good about it, but I was like, I have to see it. You know, I have to see it, (laughs) but it was, it was surprising. And I think one of the most surprising things is when you see that there are four teams that have a loss that are in front of them. I think that it kind of tells you a lot about what the committee thinks of OU right now. Yeah, well, I, it's weird to be undefeated and have teams ranked in front of you. But we haven't looked good. We don't have a great win. I understand it to a point, and it will eventually play itself out, at least I think. I mean, I guess I'm actually also, for the first time ever, uh, going around scenarios in my head of is it are we guaranteed if we go undefeated are we are we sure about that uh, I think I think the answer to that is yes um, but nationally people are seeing the same thing we're seeing so I think there's I think there's two things I think number one you've got how we've looked this year we have played a bad schedule. Uh, whenever you look at it, I mean, some of these teams are good. They, you hate to say that everyone just sucks or whatever, but it's not a schedule full of top teams. We all know that. And in a lot of those games, we flirted around way too long, gave teams that are uh, far inferior to us opportunities to win it late. And that means something. Unfortunately, in college football, whenever you've got a beauty test going on, that means something. The second thing, I think, and it, and it shouldn't factor in, but I think what we've done on the playoff stage is a factor. I agree. Uh, I think that's – so I think Bama is the opposite, right? There's this big reaction. Even Reese Davis was like, oh boy, Bama at two, here we go. But it's the exact opposite, right? Bama has, whether it's right or wrong, right? This is supposed to be, hey, we're only focused on this year. That's impossible to do. Like there's human beings on the committee. They can say whatever they want. 
everyone knows what Bama has been for the last decade, right? Yeah. So when they've got the loss to A&M, you know, they've got a couple good wins, right? Ole Miss, Mississippi State, some, some solid wins, but it's Bama. I mean, that's, that's why they're two. I had people ask me, what? How is Bama Alabama number two? I was like, Nick Saban's their coach, and they got a ridiculous amount of good players that are all going to go play in the NFL. What do you mean, how are they number two? It, yeah. it doesn't mean it should be that way, but I think the point you're making about, the, uh, about OU can be applied to Alabama just in reverse because I think at this point, if you haven't realized it yet, like the committee is not going to give OU the benefit of the doubt because of what has happened the last couple of times they've been in the playoff. Right? It hadn't been pretty, man. I mean, it just hasn't. Has, so I know Alabama lost in the inaugural playoff to Ohio State, who went on to win the championship, and they were up big early in that game. Looked like they were going to kill them and end up losing it. Have they lost another playoff game since then, other than the championship? I don't think so. I don't think they've lost in the semifinal, have they? That's what I'm trying to think. I don't know, and I, I don't think they have. And again, that that factors in. That means something. Yeah, and I, I think you just have to look at who OU is beat and how the committee values that. Right? I was looking at what is OU's best win. Texas, Texas. maybe K-State. K-State. I mean, nobody OU has beaten, which is everyone they've played, right? They're still undefeated. They're still 9-0, but no one the Sooners has beaten was ranked in the initial college football playoff rankings. So one of the things that, and it's weird because it is clear, you see where they have Oregon, where they have Michigan, like it is, it's clear that the committee puts a little more weight into good wins than it does into losses. And I, I think that's interesting because you look at Oregon. I mean, they lost to Stanford. What's Stanford like three and five? Like it's not a good football team, right? At all. But it's outweighed by the best win in all of college football, right? Going on the road and smacking Ohio State. The one, the one problem that I have is that you, you look at OU, it's like they're get it. It's I, in my opinion, it's almost as if the Kansas game is being treated as a loss essentially, which you and I, we were very, I, I think we made our feelings on that game very well known on here, but they didn't actually lose the game. Now, was it an awful performance? Yes, but I, I thought it was. I thought it's interesting. It, it seems to be that OU is being treated as a team that has lost a football game, and they have it, but they also don't have any impressive wins. So you look at them at number eight, and you're like, uh, I mean, what can you really say? And I, right. I feel like that's how a bunch of OU fans reacted to this. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny because what, what they said, you know, when everyone was talking about it after they announced the, the, uh, the rankings, it's like, how can they put us today? Are you kidding me? But they said pretty much the same things we've, been, we've all been saying about OU. And it's like, 
you can't say that. Only we could say that about our team. You can't say that about us. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's it. But my favorite part now, one of my favorite parts about OU fans is just how, how much they, they're, they're just ride or dies, right? The same people that have been talking about how bad the defense sucks and all of these issues that the teams have, they've been pushing it out on social media. Like this team's no good, blah, 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 all this stuff. All of a sudden that switch flips when they get disrespected. It's like, how dare you say that about my team? It's just, I, I don't know why people don't enjoy the college football playoff rankings reveal show. It's awesome. I love it. I like the, the reaction that it causes people especially people that work in sports media that are like, Oh, these don't matter. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is, this is like the most entertaining thing to talk about all year long. How do you not enjoy it? I'd like to see the ratings for the show. The ratings for the show have to be great for what's typically there for like a non-sporting event. That's in that time slot. It probably just absolutely kills it. And yeah, I, it, it's, it's really weird. College football is insane with the way that we pick our champion there's no doubt about it uh and you know when you look at cincinnati at six i'm sorry but yes money matters in this espn is in charge of it okay they pay like 400 and something million dollars a year for the broadcast rights of it you're damn straight they're going to pick who's going to be in that thing for ratings right and it's not going to be Wake Forest versus Cincinnati. I don't care if they're both undefeated and nobody else in college football is undefeated. That's not going to happen because they got to generate some revenue and no one cares about Wake Forest versus Cincinnati. That's harsh. I like Cincinnati. I think Cincinnati's a great football team. I do. But that's just the, the harsh reality of it. The committee and ESPN will do everything in their power to keep them out. And they, as long as they can do it without it being blatantly obvious. Yeah, there were some people that thought like, oh, maybe they put them in now and then they kind of phase them out knowing what the teams in the Big Ten are going to have to go through, knowing that OU still has Baylor, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State on their schedule. But no, they were just like, you know what? We're going to stick you in no man's land at six to where you know you're not getting in. I mean, you're not getting in. And maybe the part that hurt them the most wasn't being in at six was the fact that they didn't rank SMU and they didn't rank Houston. I don't think those things are coincidences, Ted. And that's the funny thing about this is they have their top teams and then it's like they rank the bottom half of it to prop up the teams they have ranked highly. It's it it truly is art. It is art what this committee does. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you're exactly right. Like Mississippi got, State. What? They've lost three games. I know. Number 17, Mississippi State. They are not in the AP top 25. They shouldn't be. They're not a very good team. I, I don't know why they are. It's, it's weird. Uh, they, they got absolutely destroyed by Alabama. And I guess you could say, like they're two points away from beating Memphis and like a field goal away from beating LSU and they'd be a, a one loss football team, but who cares about that? Right. They lost. Here's what Memphis. I think is interesting. 
Yeah, Memphis. Uh, here's what I think is interesting. Wake Forest is at number nine. And I'm not sitting here trying to tell you that Wake Forest should be ranked higher than number nine. But what I'm telling you is that crap schedule that Wake Forest is playing is the same crap schedule that Clemson plays every year. And if Clemson was 8-0, guess where they would be ranked right now? Number two. That's right. So Yeah. No, I completely agree. God-awful schedule. ACC is terrible. I agree 100%. But that's the same ACC that Clemson plays in every year. Sam Hartman's kind of fun to watch, by the way. If you haven't seen yeah. their quarterback sling it, he's he's pretty fun to watch. But I don't anticipate them navigating the ACC unbeaten. I mean, they got I, North Carolina, NC State. I think do they play Clemson? I think they do Clemson, play Clemson. Uh, yeah, Clemson at Death Valley, and then they finish up with BC, and then they got to play the ACC championship game. I I don't see it happening. I kind of hope it happens because let's embrace the chaos. Why not? Agree. But I I don't see it happening. But I think – I feel like I've been saying it for a while now. I feel like last night was just the the thing that cemented this in my mind and that OU's got to go undefeated, right? Uh, I mean, there's – and some people have said, hey, they've gotten in with one loss in the past. Yeah, but that loss was early in the season. We're in November now. You lose now, you're out. You're out. And I know that's weird because, you know, one loss is one loss, but there's a difference between losing to Texas in early October and losing now. Just can't. It, it's simple. They, they got to beat Baylor. They got to beat Iowa State. They got to beat Oklahoma State. They got to win the Big 12 championship game. They got to do that. They got to win those four games. And there here's, is. Here's something interesting. Uh, speaking to that point, since Oklahoma, other than 2014, they have never lost a game after the initial poll of the college football playoff. Have not lost one. 14 is the only year. 15, they lost to Texas. 16, they lost uh, what? Uh, is that the Ohio State year? Ohio State and Houston. Uh, 17 was Iowa State, 18 was Texas, 19 was Kansas State the week before the playoff. And then 20, obviously we lost the two games to start off the year. Never lost after the initial playoff poll. So I, I, that, that tells you that you lose early and you're on the winning streak coming up. Like you lose after the poll is out you're going to get hit way harder. And here's another thing that I think is working against OU. Whenever you look at the whenever you look at the the poll, pretty much all the teams that they're competing against there to find that number 4 spot except for Cincinnati, they all are going to play teams that are ranked higher than them in the poll right now. Ohio State going to play Michigan State. Alabama's going to play Georgia. Um, Michigan, who's at seven, is going to get to play Ohio State. Oklahoma's not going to be able to play anyone that's ahead of them. That that hurts them in competition with those other teams right there at the top, I think. Yeah, no, I I completely agree. But 
I also think that OU's got the easiest path, right? And I know that I know that Oklahoma State's a really good team. Baylor's a really solid team. You know, Iowa State, I still believe, is a good team. But it's not like they got to go through Georgia or Bama to get there. So it's it's just what's got to happen, right? And and I'm with you, but there is I, – I still believe there's no way in hell a 13-0 and Oklahoma isn't in the college football playoff. There's just no way in hell. I don't care if Alabama gets beat on the last second field goal in overtime by Georgia. They're not getting in as a two-loss team over a 13-0 and OU. It's just it, – it's not going to happen, man. So yeah. – but at least they know, right? You know where you say you, – if you're, if you're Lincoln Riley, and I'm sure that he has sent a – edible arrangement to the college football playoff committee, thanking them for the, uh, the chip that they just provided that football team. But I, I think it's very clear now, right? You got to win them all. Now that's always the goal anyways, right? It's not like you go into the year you're like, you know what? I, f- I feel like 12 and one's where we want to be. Like it, the goal is always to win them all, but this does, it's got to heighten the sense of urgency in that locker room. There's no doubt. And some people say, oh, we don't look at the rankings. That's a lie. That's a damn lie. Every guy in that locker room saw that and went, oh, that's some bullshit. Eight? Eight? Mm-hmm. And and you saw a lot of thing. guys on social media saying things along that, that line. Uh, there's no doubt. Let me ask you a question, though. We're both shocked by number eight. If you throw out, like, who's earned it, Forget, forget records, forget who you beat, forget who you've lost to. Just straight up, where do we rank as far as the best teams in the country? I think, I think they're a top six team in the country. They're definitely ahead of Michigan, in my opinion. I think they're a better football team than Michigan. I, I think, think OU Cincinnati State. would be a good game. Yeah. Now, I think Caleb Williams, like Desmond Ritter's more of a veteran guy, but like I think OU's got an advantage as a quarterback in that game. I really do. Mm-hmm. But you look at like I don't think they're as good as Bama. This is this is where I'm at with OU. I'm gonna need to see them play a team that is on a similar talent level as them or greater and beat them before I pick them to win one of those games. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's Bama. That's Georgia. That's Ohio State. And really, other than that, I think they could beat other every other team in the country. Right? Like, I, I think OU would handle Oregon just fine. Like, I think that would be a great game. I don't I do think too. Oregon's. I, I think they, here's how I would pick it right now I would say Georgia's the best. I think Alabama's the second best. I think Ohio State's the third. I'm with you. I would probably pick Oregon as the fourth best team in the country, Cincy the fifth, and Oklahoma sixth. I'm fine with that. Yeah, that's probably exactly how I'd have it. I I would love to see Cincinnati and OU play. Yeah, I would too. And let me just be clear that I, I would rank those teams ahead of us. That doesn't mean that I don't think we can beat them. Like, I, right. I think we, we have a chance to beat them. I think. I think right now we're better than Michigan and Michigan State. I agree with that. I think 
clearly the physicality of Michigan State with what they can do in their running game would be, I mean, it would be a tough test for Oklahoma's defensive front, right? Especially with some of the undersized guys they play. But you got to be you got to be two dimensional to beat Oklahoma. I think uh, you got to be able to make them pay in the passing game, and I don't right. know that Michigan State has that. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, not a ton of faith in Peyton Thorne. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I like I think I'll use the top five, top sixteen, right? I just don't think like I just I think there's a pretty significant gap between them and Georgia. Right? You watch Georgia and you're just like, even with Stetson Bennett at a quarterback, you're just like, damn, look at the guys they got at the line of scrimmage. That's the thing for me is yeah. the guys that Georgia and Bama, not as much this year, but like last year, that old line from Bama. Whew, I mean, yeah. oh, you just didn't have that. They don't have that. You, you don't look at OU's defensive line and go, whoa, right? You look at that Georgia defensive line and your eyes are just wide. You're like, damn, that is, that's almost what like an NFL defensive line looks like. OU doesn't have that. And I would have to see them get on a field with that team and beat them to believe that they do it. Like, that's just where I'm at with it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And one of the other things that we're doing with Oklahoma, admittedly, is I'm like OU at their best is six, in my opinion. Like if I was saying like where they actually rank, throw out resumes. But I'm also projecting like them at their best. And I, I haven't seen that yet. Like, I'm saying they're capable of something that I haven't necessarily seen yet. So that's one of the problems I have. Like, I think the Baylor game coming up in uh, in two weeks is going to be, like, everything that we've got to win that game. Like, everything. We've got to play our best football. And if we don't, I think we lose. I mean, we, we just – we don't have uh, a very big margin for error right now. I – so it's interesting because now I've heard a couple people say this week, it's like, well, Oklahoma's only played one complete game. And that was against Texas tech. And I'm over here like complete game. They couldn't run the damn ball. Like I, <laughs> for 20 minutes, I bitched about it on here that they couldn't run the ball. That was a complete game. Like that's, that's not a complete game. Texas tech was just in a weird spot. They just fired their coach. Apparently, According to some people I talked to, some of the players were like crying at practice. They were so upset about it. Like that wasn't a complete game. I mean, that wasn't an impressive win. It was Texas Tech. So like OU, they got to show something, right? It's clear, right? They're going to feel disrespected being at eight, and they should because they're at Oklahoma, right? There's a... There's a certain level of respect you expect to get when you play there. That's just the truth. Mm-hmm. And those guys have to feel disrespected after that first ranking. And it's in their hands to go change people's minds, right? Yeah. It's up yeah. to them, right? They're the only ones that can change people's minds. And you've got every opportunity to do it because you've got some really solid football teams left on your schedule. I agree. I agree. 
and I they they better have a productive bye week, and they better have you know all hands on deck, be ready to go against Baylor because. You want to talk about not being able to run the ball against Texas Tech, who gave up 400 on the ground to TCU. Baylor, like, nose guard, we struggle with big nose guards. Uh, I'm not even going to attempt his name, but he goes 6'4", 350 pounds. Apu Ika. What a name. Yeah, he is. He's thick with three C's, not two, three. <laughs> that, that dude thick. They they fly around defensively, man. I've been watching them all week. Jalen Petrie, I mean, he may be my favorite player in college football. The guy, the guy is psychotic. The way, like the way he plays is. Whew. I've now, never seen we'll anyone do the play at next full week, speed. Of course, but I, there is no there is no slowdown anywhere for him. It is straight up like no prisoners, all out. Yeah, and. and you know, Bernard it, and Doyle at linebacker, those dudes, they arrive with bad intentions. So, yes, the the Sooners need to have a very productive bye week. Okay, let's get to our call your shot. And just wanted to get y'all's reaction to OU being ranked number eight. This first one comes from Marlin Star Houston on Twitter. He says, not upset about it. Win and get in. And to this point, the ranking might be deserved but the reasoning from the committee when comparing to other teams was inconsistent at best and makes no sense. It, it was interesting. It, Gary, Gary Barta was just like, oh, they've been inconsistent on defense, but we like Caleb Williams. It's like, oh, thanks, Gary. Thanks for, uh, thanks for enlightening us. Yeah, it was weird. And then I heard... Um... Heather Dennett say that it was hard whenever they were choosing between Wake Forest and Oklahoma eight and nine. And then she said, but the committee was impressed with Lincoln Riley and his decision to play Caleb Williams at quarterback site. They were impressed. Like, what does that even mean? I just tell me that he's, they think Caleb Williams is a way better quarterback than the guy at Wake Forest. Don't tell me they're impressed with the decision to play him. What does that even mean? What a brave decision he made. Yeah, Plus let's put them at eight because he made a brave decision. That's, that, was, that was weird. That was weird. Okay, this other one comes from Keegan Jewell on Twitter. He says, we control our destiny, and it's, it's best timing for that. Two highly ranked opponents coming up, and it's championship November only thing that brought me shock slash anger slash confusion was the reasoning on some of the rankings ahead of OU versus why OU was ranked so low. So it seems like most OU fans can accept the ranking, but they're a little confused on some of the reasoning that was applied to the teams in front of Oklahoma, which makes sense. Like, I have no idea why Ohio State's ranked in front of Cincinnati. Right. Cincinnati's got a better win. They're undefeated. What Ohio State gets credit for getting beat on their own field by a good Oregon team? Like, I'm fine with Oregon being four. But how is Oregon four and Cincinnati not five and Ohio State six? 
I, I wish I had an answer for you. What, because Let me Ohio ask- State beat up on a bunch of really bad teams? I Now, I think Ohio State's better than Cincinnati, but it's just the reasoning is a little it's a little odd. Let me let me throw a scenario at you real quick. What happens if and we could do this all night, we don't need to, but this is this is the one that interests me. Georgia and Alabama, as long as Alabama wins out, beats Georgia in the SEC championship, do we agree that Georgia and Alabama will both be in? Absolutely, yes. 100%. Okay. So then, we've got two spots available. Let's say Ohio State wins out, beats Michigan State, then beats, who's it going to be, Wisconsin maybe in the Big Ten Championship. Would you agree that Ohio State will be in? Correct. Ohio State will definitely be in. Okay, so then we've got We've got Oregon with one loss. We'll assume they win out. We've got Cincinnati. Let's say they win out. They're undefeated. And let's say OU wins out and they're undefeated. So Cincinnati's out. Okay, well, here's the, here's the interesting thing. If Michigan loses, okay, and Michigan State loses, then – Notre Dame, and I think Wake Forest is probably going to lose. I think Notre Dame is probably, if they win out, going to be sitting at number six. So with Cincinnati with a win over the number six team and they're undefeated, is would that be enough to trump Oklahoma as an undefeated team? Undefeated OU is getting in. This is why. If they go undefeated, Caleb Williams is going to be the favorite to win the Heisman Trophy. They are not playing the playoff without the guy that is first or second in the Heisman Trophy odds to draw people's eyeballs. It's just not happening. I mean, it's not going to happen. Probably true. I think I agree with that. He's he's already I saw him a couple at a couple books this week. He's already up to the third best odds. He's he's only at some places, he's only behind Bryce Young and Kenneth Walker to the third. He's ahead of Matt Corral, he's ahead of CJ Stroud. So I don't think because if OU goes undefeated, that means Caleb Williams is playing his ass off. Yeah. True. And you mentioned it, Ted. ESPN wants eyeballs. And Monday. at that point, if that happens, Caleb Williams is already arguably the most talked about college football player there is. And if that happens, everyone and their dog is going to be talking about him. ESPN wants a piece of that, even if it's just sacrificing OU to Georgia. Yeah. It's weird, though, that if his Heisman odds are that high, and everyone thinks that highly of them, that they would still put OU back where they did. I I mean, you heard Barta say it's because of the defense. Yeah. I mean, that's what he said. So it appears that OU's got four games to change the way that the committee feels about that defense. So... I now, think luckily, the four games are probably going to change their opinion about the offense, not about the defense. Yeah. 
<laughs> playing some good defenses. But hey, you said it. Maybe we see the best version of Oklahoma. That's right. And some people, some people are like, well, do they really need extra motivation? Listen, man, a, a lot of a lot of athletes are wired the same way, right? When you feel disrespected, it refocuses you. It changes things. It just does. I don't know why it does it, but it just does. So, but yeah, I I was looking at the Caleb Williams Heisman stuff, and when you look at it, he's you know because Bryce Young has LSU and Arkansas in the Iron Bowl left, and then possibly the SEC championship game. Now, if he rolls through all that and then he beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, he's he's going to win the Heisman Trophy, right? Mm-hmm. That's just going to happen. Kenneth Walker the third. He's got some big opportunities. He's got Ohio State on November 20th. He's got Penn State on November 27th. Like he can, he already had a massive game against Michigan. So he's got a lot of momentum rolling. If he balls in both of those games, right, he's going to have a good chance as well. Caleb Williams has Baylor, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, and the Big 12 championship game. Going to be a lot of people interested in what he does in all those games. So it's, I don't think, I want to make it clear, I don't think he's going to win. But he has every opportunity to finish second or third. Yeah. I think he'll, I think he'll, I think he'll probably be at the ceremony. Here's the, here's why I don't think he'll win it. And it has nothing to do with how good he is. It has everything to do with votes. It's about votes. You have to have people vote for you. No true freshman has ever won it. Not only has no true freshman ever won it, but no true freshman who didn't start the first, what, five games of the season. Uh, that, I just, I can't imagine, and I could be wrong. I'm not judging him, and I'm not judging any of the other players. I'm judging the voters. I don't see the voters like breaking that tradition on Caleb Williams, whose numbers are good, but they're not like jaw on the floor good. I think the game against TC or uh, Tech is the first time he's thrown for over 300 yards. Right. I, I think the biggest, like the biggest bullet point on his Heisman resume is just how yeah. he's kind of changed the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, I, I will say this. It also doesn't help that no one in the media knows nothing about him. No one knows yep. anything about him. Haven't heard him talk. You got Kenneth Walker III on the playoff show, and Caleb Williams hasn't talked to anyone all season. I mean, those. I, I know that the rule is the rule, right? I understand that, right? It was the same rule when you and I were there. But... That when it comes to the Heisman and that type of stuff, that, that stuff matters too. Like, because media members vote on it. And there's a lot of media members that don't know anything about Caleb Williams, never even heard him speak. Yeah. That's, well, that's not helping him. I know that. Yeah. And I don't know anything about him. And, but Lincoln Riley is one of the smartest people walking around, man. And he knows that. He knows that in order to win the Heisman, he's going to have to open up 
his availability. Uh, I don't know if he's waiting until maybe after the bye, till after maybe they beat like a team like Baylor. And the only other reason I could think that he hasn't opened him up to talk to the media yet is he's worried he'll say something bad. But like, I don't. That's not me like suggesting that might happen. I don't know anything about the kid in the way that he speaks. I've never heard him talk either. But I, if Lincoln continues to keep him under wraps for some reason, that would be the only only thing I could think of, right? I I don't know the kid at all. All I know is, you know, what I've been able to observe being down on the sideline. Seems like an awesome dude. Yeah. Well, I mean, and he handles him. himself like he doesn't handle himself like a true freshman that's, you know, just barely been around. Yeah. No. So we'll see. It's not like I, I don't care whether he's made available to the media or not. All I'm saying is that when it comes to those awards, like they one of the first story, things, so man. I vote for the Warful Trophy, right? I won it. And what, when you win it, you get to vote. When, when I get this packet of players, one of the first things I do is I go and look for interviews that they've done. It's one of the first things I do. Like I look at their social media. I look at some of the interviews, what they say publicly, what they say about the team, how they represent the team. Like that stuff matters to me when voting for the award that I am on the voting committee for. So it's just, it's all I'm saying like that. That stuff does matter. You got to have a story. Exactly. People vote for the story. A lot of times, like, the story is what pushes someone over the edge. And he, the story is cool that as a true freshman, you come in and you take the job of a preseason Heisman favorite. Like, that's that's all anyone knows of him right there. And maybe that's good enough. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet story. He's not going to win. But if... I, I, I would like for him to ceremony. be a finalist. I think he will be. And I I think letting the kid talk a little bit could help. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I think it will happen. I think Lincoln, like, Lincoln knows what it means for recruiting. He knows that right now, like, if they go the whole season without Caleb Williams being made available to the media, he knows that's going to be used against him on the recruiting trail, especially now in the world of NIL. He knows that. So, I mean, like you said, he's a smart guy, I'm sure. And I know he talked about it in his, his press conference this week with the media, but it'll be interesting. I, I think you're right. If they beat Baylor, maybe he opens it up. He's like, all right, or we he's finally beat to. someone good. He's got to, but I think he's maybe protecting him from that as long as he can. But at some point, he's going to have to let people uh, have a chance with him. Yep. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first... The only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Love's has over 560 locations in 41 states, offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. We've got a $25 game day gift card from Love's to give away each game week. So we're taking the week off. Sorry, people. Whatever your road trip needs are, Love's has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the drinks and snacks, and of course, my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile to go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see the red neon heart on the highway, 
Stop in and say hi at Love's Travel Stops. For a full list of what Love's has to offer, visit loves.com. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all. Whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone, everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. Teddy, I saw you looking at the rundown and I see you smiling already. And yes. <laughs> yeah, people, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about Monkey Gate. So normally in the National College Football Roundup, we just preview games. And we got two great games to preview for you. But first, we got to talk about it. I mean, it was the biggest story in all of sports for a solid, I don't know, 12 to 18 hours. Okay. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with a brief summary for everyone that doesn't know what Monkey Gate is, and then we'll just kind of go from there. Sound good? Sounds good. Okay, here's my synopsis of the situation, people. Texas's special teams coordinator, Jeff Banks. He left his wife and kids for a stripper that goes by the name Pole Assassin. So that's the background info. Pole Assassin has an emotional support monkey that from time to time participates in her pole dancing act, which by the way, she is very talented, great athlete, very impressive stuff from the videos I saw on the internet. They had a haunted house at their house on Halloween in, you know, near the Austin area. And basically a little kid went to their backyard without permission, went somewhere he wasn't supposed to go, stuck his hand in the monkey's cage, excuse me, the emotional support monkey's cage and got bit and the severity of the child in the child's injuries are unclear and they seem to be disputed that sum it up that pretty much sums it up yes. okay did i miss anything no no i don't think so i think that's what we know up to this point pretty good bullet points okay so if if you just heard that and you're like what are you talking about first do you live under a rock second this is all true when I first saw the story, I was like, and I, and I sent it over to Tyler McComas, who I do my, my radio show with. And I was like, I think it was Sunday night. And I was like, we got to look at this. I, I don't know if it's true. It seems a bit far fetched, but if it is, this is going to be amazing. And <laughs> I guess it's true. What, what is the weirdest part of this to you? Hmm. The uh, I'll tell you the weirdest part of it. The weirdest part of it is that Jeff Banks is the special teams coordinator and he makes a million dollars a year. That's the weirdest part of the whole thing. They say the man's a hell of a recruiter. I could see. I could see that. I he must be, but that that's crazy. Other than that, what's the weirdest part? <laughs> The name Pole Assassin, does she go by that, you think? That is, it, that was everywhere. So that, I think that's like her stage name, which by the way, 
is an absolutely fantastic name for a stripper. Like if we're being real, <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, and if you saw the Jerry Springer clip, like she is more like pole assault with what <laughs> she does to that thing. Like she is, it is impressive stuff, man. I mean, athletic, it just feats of strength. Feats but, of strength. Well said. But I feel like this is, okay, first of all, is the child the victim or is the monkey the victim? That's an important question because I think I'm team monkey. I know normally you side with humans over the animals. I understand that. But Paul Assassin told us the child was 11 or 12. I don't know. It was an 11 slash 12 in the tweet. The tweet where she gave the tour of the backyard laid it out very clearly. The kid, the kid knew he was wandering somewhere he wasn't supposed to wander. And I'm assuming it's a young boy because this seems like something a young boy would do, not a little girl. And then to stick your hand in the cage to walk through the gate that says do not enter. I mean, the kid kind of did it to himself, right? I, or, I can I could see this happening as a group of kids walk up to the house and one of the kids is like, yo, that's pole assassin, dude. I've seen the videos. And pole assassin. That means she's got the monkey, right? Where's the monkey? <laughs> we got to go find the monkey. Yeah, I don't know. I'm definitely not team monkey. And I'll tell you why. That surprises there- me because you are a, you are about the like, you're the most like, hey, private property bud guy I know. Well, that is true. But here's the thing. There's no way that that, mo- that monkey is an emotional support monkey. I'm just telling you right now, monkeys are evil. They are evil. They'll bite you. They'll try and claw your eyes out. They're terrible. I had a friend growing up that had a monkey. And whenever it was young, it was great. Everyone could play with it. His name was Pam. And when it got older, you couldn't go anywhere near the thing at all. It was crazy. Monkeys are they're evil, dude. They'll steal stuff from you. They'll attack you. They'll attack each other. They're terrible. There's no way, like an emotional support animal is like you cuddle up against the big golden retriever, right? And like someone like calms you down emotionally. There's nothing calm about a monkey. There's nothing calm about a monkey at all. I feel like you are... You're assuming a lot about this monkey. You don't know this monkey, man. Come on. You may, maybe it's maybe it's a chill monkey. You don't know. Now it did just bite a kid, so uh, but mm-hmm. we don't know the monkey. We don't know the monkey. But I I'm with you. I find it hard to believe that the uh, the monkey is bringing a, a significant calming president presence to pole assassin's life. But hey, I don't know. Let me tell you what Pam used to do. Okay? Tell us more about Pam. Yeah. Pam, if you had something like if I had this ink pen and I'm clicking the ink pen and Pam could see like, now that thing's interesting. I could use that. I could, uh, I could, I could do something with that weird clicker that you've got there. So it'd be in the cage and and she'd stick her hand out and like kind of wave at you to hand, hand the pen. And it's, it's a monkey. It's a, a little monkey. It's cute. So if you walk over there close to the cage It'll kind of lean in there with its hand and then it'll try and grab you and reach in there and grab you and pull you close to it. And they're strong as hell. You don't want to be anywhere near them, man. I'm just telling you. 
you, 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 I've seen it. I've seen the shenanigans before. Bam. So, <laughs> Bam showed so, me the lie. You, you've been through what this kid went through. Yeah. He expected like the monkey from Aladdin whenever he walked back there, like real nice and cute and dancing around. And little did he know in real life, those things are mean as hell. Well, now he knows. And I know this. This is the absolute last thing that Steve Sarkeesian needed right now. Oh, my God. They're a Ford four football team. They've got Iowa State in Ames this weekend. I, this is the last joke I want to make, right? So, Jeff Banks, special teams coordinator. It all makes sense now. The fake punt against Baylor, it all makes sense. <laughs> the monkey called it. It's the only explanation. Monkey called the monkey may have ran it. Was the monkey the punter? Can we check on that? Monkey, oh monkey pointed to it on the play sheet and said, run it, Jeff. Yeah, I'd, I'd say the uh, special teams coach's head was, was somewhere else on that one. But I don't even – how do you address that as, if you're a head coach? I, I would assume – I would assume that by now all of the players know that Banks is married to an ex. Is she an ex stripper or does she still practice? As far as I know, ex, but I don't know. So I, I would assume the guys knew, right? I feel like that's something like, I remember there being stories about it when Jeff Banks was leaving Bama to go to Texas. And I was like, Oh, that's funny. Guy left his family for a stripper. I mean, not well, the first guy tweets, to do that, right? Like didn't Overshone say like, like a month or so ago that he wanted a pet monkey or something like yeah, that. And Quitkowski, the defensive coordinator said, no, you don't. That's yeah, on Twitter. I remember it. That's I was right. Like, what? Yeah. He knows he's seen those monkeys before. Yeah. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. I did not know I was going to be so amused by your, your monkey analysis. Oh, that was, <laughs> that was fantastic. Okay. Number 11, Oklahoma State at West Virginia. All of a sudden, a game that is more interesting than I thought a lot, than I thought it was going to be. I mean, you got Oklahoma State coming off what can only be described as uh, a massacre of Kansas. Uh, West Virginia has gotten back on track, right? Right after we left them for dead, man, they, they've rattled off wins against TCU and Iowa State. and. When you look at what West Virginia has done in the last couple of games, that they've been able to run the football with Letty Brown. In the games they've lost this season, West Virginia has struggled to run the rock. I mean, bottom line, I went and looked at Letty Brown's game-by-game -game stats. Letty Brown has averaged 57.5 yards rushing in their four losses. Although I, I do think West Virginia's O-line is playing a little better right now. I disagree with Mike Gundy. I don't think they're the best whole line in the Big 12, but I think Oklahoma State's defensive line can get after that group. Uh, I really do. I think they can shut Letty Brown down. Jarrett Dagey and that passing game, it's dependent on the run game, right? He's just, he's not, if he's got to drop back 30, 40 times in a game, the, the odds are not in West Virginia's favor. And I, I think the running game is going to struggle, which will make Dagey struggle. And he's proven. He will throw it to you. I mean, the pick six he threw against Iowa State was comical. I mean, it was hilarious. Yeah. But it, it will be interesting to see if Spencer Sanders 
can continue to play good football and continue to value the football. I mean, he's taking care of it the last couple of games. And I, I don't think it's going to be a massive day on the ground for Jalen Warren. I really don't because I do think having a healthy Akeem Bezador back and, and Dante Stills is looking good. I, I think, I think Oklahoma State could struggle with that front from West Virginia, similar to the way that OU struggled with them. But I just, I just think Oklahoma State's a better team, man. I know West Virginia has found found something here these last couple of weeks, but give me Oklahoma State. I think they're good, man. I agree. Um, I, I don't know. West Virginia looked terrible for a stretch, and then. Now all of a sudden they look they look really good. It's 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 odd. Um, we know their defensive line is a strong point. I think their defense in general is pretty good. West Virginia's, um, but I think I think offensively they are seriously going to struggle against Oklahoma State. I, I don't think that they've got the explosiveness. I don't think they've got the ability to to move Oklahoma State off the football in order to run it. I think Oklahoma State's defense is just too good. And Spencer Sanders has been better, but I don't even think Spencer Sanders has to be uh, anything special in order for them to beat West Virginia. And I know West Virginia just beat Iowa State. And and how, whenever Iowa State looked like they were just starting to play their best ball, I don't, I don't know how that happens, but we've seen Iowa State do stuff like that before. Um and we have with Oklahoma State as well, but I, I just think their defense is that good that West Virginia is is not going to have enough for them. But, heck, I don't know. Spencer Sanders goes and turns the football over two or three times. West Virginia could be right there in the fight. I think it's going to be really low scoring, though. I'm with you. Yeah, I think I think it's a game in the 20s for sure. So we'll, we'll see. But, yeah, I I won't lie. I'm way more interested than in that game than I would have been a couple of weeks ago. Oklahoma State, I I know that West Virginia just beat Iowa State, and it's got me a little hesitant on how to pick this, but I've got a feeling that Oklahoma State goes in there and just destroys them. Got a I've got a bit of a hunch that that might happen. That would that would be good for Oklahoma. Yeah. Be good for Oklahoma set up. We're gonna keep keep building up that bedlam that is coming soon. Now I know oo you've got other things to worry about, but that's that's important. Okay, we can't third. afford for any of those teams to lose a game before we play them. Right. Or after yeah. we play them. Can't yeah. afford for that to happen. All right. Number 13, Auburn at number 14, Texas AM. The 230 CBS SEC game and two teams that still have a chance to win the SEC West. I mean, Auburn controls its own destiny, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they just they got to beat AM, and then obviously got to beat Bam in the Iron Bowl. But if Texas AM wins this one, all they really need is Auburn to beat Bama. And they got the tiebreaker over Bama, and then they'd win the SEC West. So these teams aren't out of it. I know we're talking about Bama's number two, but both these teams, they're they're not out of it. And Auburn coming off a really solid win over Ole Miss. A&M coming off a bye. Heard Jimbo Fisher talk about it. Sounds like they're they're feeling really good about where they're at as a team, especially 
when it comes to the health of the team now. And man, just when I look at this game, uh, I think the most important question is, will the good version of Bo Nix continue to show up? Yeah. He's been, he's been really good for the last month, Ted. It's wild. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have picked, I picked against him. And I think I have a couple of different times and he's proved me wrong. Uh, he's, he's turned into a playmaker and he's been adequate in the passing game. Uh, obviously they got tank Bigsby, uh, in the running game and their defense is, is really stout. I Auburn's really good, but I can't, I can't really get my finger on the, on the conference. It's, it's, it's tough with, with Texas A&M. I, I honestly don't know how to pick them. Like if, if I'm saying who's the better team, I think it's Auburn and I don't really even think it's that close. But, you know, Kyle Field, place is going to be nuts. It's a tough atmosphere. I mean, maybe it's probably going to be a close game, but I just, if I have to pick on the team alone, I've got to go with Auburn. I, my gut, everything in my gut is telling me to pick Auburn, right? I think that, I think Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter will have some success running the ball, but dude, I still think A&M's defense is solid, right? Especially the defensive front. Like I, I think that is a that's a really solid group. But I could also see Isaiah Spiller and Devon A. Chain like having some success on the ground for A&M. Auburn's passing attack has kind of taken off lately. I, I've got serious doubts about Zach Calzada and what A&M can do in the passing game. But I think Jalen Weidemeyer and Anaya Smith, I think those two guys are better than anyone Auburn's got at those positions. So I think the big advantage comes with this game being at Kyle Field, man. I, I, think, I think that is a big advantage. We saw Auburn go to Penn State, right? But I think that, I think AM is going to win this game, and I really don't know why because everything is telling me to pick Auburn. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm taking AM. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's that's the weird thing is, I, I honestly, it's hard to pick it. I really don't know. Um, Auburn, I, I think that they've been, they've been pretty stout. They've been pretty steady. That win over Ole Miss looked pretty good. Um, they went Nick's in. Looked and, awesome. Yeah, he did. And he went in whenever Arkansas was still fairly hot and looked good against Arkansas in a game I picked against him there, too. So, I, I don't know. I guess, oddly, give me Bo Nix over Calzada. As crazy as that is to say. <laughs> I never thought I'd be saying that, but here we are. Here we are. I will say, A&M's defense, I, I do think it's better than some of the defenses that Bo Nix has played well against, right? We'll, yeah, we'll see, true. man. But it's a really interesting game that, you know, when I was looking at it, I was like, damn, I didn't realize what was on the line. Like, this is it's a big-time football game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess Mississippi State has a chance. Well, no, they they can't do it because they don't have. They would never get the. Uh, that's funny that it's just played out the way it has in the West. That you with when as soon as someone beats Alabama, things really change. You're not used to it, but 
my guess is down the stretch they'll be just fine yeah i'm i'm used to not paying attention to the sec west like at all just because it's kind of like the big 12 you just you pencil the team that's in crimson in (laughs) just all right let's get to wet the beak but first do you own a business if you do you need insurica in your life Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, fall is here, but does the weather really matter? It's always hard seltzer season, baby, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coupel Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. All right, Wet the Beak was going to do the Green Bay Packers at the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a pick or it was. I'm going to the game. That's why I wanted to do it. Full disclosure, where I'm going to see Blake Bell in Kansas City. I'm going to this game. I was like, I want to break it down with you, Ted. I was all excited. I'm going to be there. Patrick Mahomes is going to be on the field. Aaron Rodgers is going to be there. Jackson Mahomes. Jackson Mahomes will be dancing somewhere. But Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be there, man. I mean, what the hell, Rodgers? This situation is weird. So he said he was immunized, immunized, but he didn't, he hasn't been following like the protocols if you're unvaccinated, right? He has been. So he's been following some of them from everything I read. He's been following them inside the building, but like the the pregame and postgame or like the practice interviews and after the game interviews, he has not been doing what the unvaccinated guys have been doing. I guess the unvaccinated guys for them have been doing them by Zoom and he's just been in like the media pool. So he's been doing some of the unvaccinated stuff, but not. And now they're under some type of league investigation, right? I would assume so. Because yeah. uh, this was relatively big news. <laughs> I, okay. My favorite part about it, right, is, and I think the most interesting thing about the whole Rogers situation is him, is the report that he did some sort of homeopathic or holistic immunization treatment. And all I can, like, I can't stop imagining, like, Aaron Rodgers in the middle of the desert, like in a teepee, on ayahuasca, like just tripping <laughs> balls. Like that's what I'm, that's what's in my head. And he's like, dude, I'm good. COVID ain't going to get me now. Like that's, that's what comes to my head when I hear 
homeopathic and holistic or holistic immunization treatment. He had an alien come talk to him about COVID and that I he's never he going to get it. <laughs> Probably did. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be an interesting one to follow right there and see what, see what comes of that. Yeah. Okay. But since that game has lost its sizzle, the Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals has not. And th- there's a lot of OU flavor in this game, right? Cincinnati, they're coming off the, I'll call it a wake-up call, loss to Mike White in the Jets. And then Cleveland, it feels like they're limping into this one, man. I mean, they had the weird stuff with Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad posting videos of OBJ being open and saying stuff about Baker. That was that was just weird. I mean, what now? Odell Beckham Jr. is being told to stay at home and they're like trying to figure out whether he's part of the team or not. I don't know, man. It just, it doesn't think seem like the vibes are very good in Cleveland did. No, it does not. Um, it, it's always weird whenever this stuff goes down. Um, I, I feel like Baker is obviously nagged by the shoulder. I feel like, they've been able to really protect him, protect that, that offense by running the football really well. We know they've had a ton of injuries on the offensive line and in the backfield. I think that's affected them. Jarvis Landry was out for, for an extended time. I feel like, I feel like Cleveland's going to start to get some of that offense back as they get healthier um, they found the Johnson kid at running back. Who's, who's a pretty good, uh, little player himself. So I think Cleveland shockingly gets it done. Ooh. Uh, yeah. I, I think that you know, Cincinnati was on a, a bit of a run there. They've come back down to earth and looked a little more like what we thought they were, but we know that they're capable of, uh, capable of some really good stuff, but I don't know. I like Cleveland getting a little bit healthier. Um, I think Baker, for whatever reason, tends to thrive in these type of situations when things are starting to get weird and uh, someone has now called him out and, you know, he's got the wife uh, backing him on this situation. So if I can get Cleveland, get two and a half, give it to me. I... I'm going with the Bengals, man. Yeah. Right? And, well, you mentioned you mentioned the O line problems, right? Jack Conklin being out, that's big. Right. What did what do you do? Like dislocate his elbow? Oh, that sounds awful. But that ain't gonna help things. This now, now maybe the Odo Beckham Jr. thing is like an ad, addition by subtraction situation for that team. May, maybe, you know, he's he hadn't been great in the locker room and he's wearing on guys. That's very possible. But they just aren't scoring very many points, man. And it's hard to go on the road and beat a good team when you can't score. And even though they just lost to the Jets, I, I still think the Bengals are, are a good team. Uh, Joe Burrow certainly is going to want to make up for that late mistake in that loss last week. The defense is going to want to prove that their performance last week isn't who they are. So... I mean, for me, all signs point to the Bengals in this one, man. How do you, how do you explain away the Jets game, though? 
with White at quarterback. Mike White had the day of his life. Yeah. I mean, he threw it all around the yard, man. I, yeah. Well. Maybe when, when Mike White steps in at quarterback, it's it's very possible they're, they were a little taken off guard by them just throwing it all around. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. What, they picked him off a couple of times early too, right? Yeah, twice. So, yeah, probably let the guard down a little bit. They were up. They had a pretty good lead. Yeah, I don't Blue know. An 11-point well, lead in the fourth quarter. Here's the thing. I I think the pressure's on Cleveland right now. And oh, yeah. They've had a ton of injuries, but no one cares, right? Like, you just – no one cares. I, it doesn't matter who's out. Find a way to win games or we'll find uh, players and coaches that can. So, I think their backs are against the wall here. They're going to be fighting a serious uphill battle if they don't win this one. Yeah. It may slip away for them. No, I'm with you. All right, let's get to our winners and losers of the weekend. But first. Are you unhappy with the surface around your pool? Are you not pleased with your patio? Soft Rock specializes in installing safe rubber surfacing for pools, patios, gym floors, and other outdoor spaces. Soft Rock's rubber safety surfacing provides a long-lasting surface that is impact and slip resistant fully customizable, and virtually indestructible. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark are avid OU fans that are driven to help you with all of your pool and patio surfacing needs. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems, they can repair cla- uh, cracks, clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio no student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join. And as a proud member of the OSSAA, there are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Financial aid is available. As always, Ted, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Well, I don't know who is it. Would you say Von Miller is the winner? The Rams are the winner. Matthew Stafford is the winner. By Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is the winner. Who do we credit? Because I I know Von Miller's getting $9 million of that 9.8. Uh, salary this year that they're just going to cut him a check for that. So it's got to be Von Miller. Von is a tremendous teammate. I will say that. Guy throws a heck of a party. Did you go I, to a Halloween party there? I, I unfortunately barely missed it. Ugh. But I did. I did attend a poker night. And who oh boy, 
<laughs> Bond knows what he's doing, man. Knows what he's wow. doing. He's a tremendous teammate. But I did. Yeah. Huh? Unfortunately, I missed the uh, I missed the Halloween party. I I'm was sure a couple you've heard weeks some tales, though, right? Vaughn Von knows how to throw a party. That's what I'll say, man. <laughs> so I'm saying. Gotcha. No, Enough but said. I in that situation. First of all, I'm happy for Von Miller. I. It's so interesting how the Rams treat draft picks. It's like take them. We don't want them. Like we, they just don't believe in it. They're they're, they're all in. So. Yeah, I think Stafford's winner, but I think Aaron Donald's the biggest winner in this whole thing, right? Because when you look at it, when you're game planning for the Rams, everything you do is focused on him, right? Or at least that's how it was when I was playing, when we were playing against him. Played against him a couple different times, and it was like, hey, where's 99? We're sending everything his way on everything we do. Like, we're not letting him wreck the game. All of a sudden, when you're game planning, it's also like, and I know Vaughn's not the same player he was a couple years ago, right? But he's still Vaughn Miller. Like, he, he's still got some gas in the tank. He's going to so, win some one-on-ones out there on the edge. That's what I'm saying. Like, if all of a sudden, you know, the, everyone's still showing Aaron Donald all the attention and, and Vaughn's getting a bunch of one-on-ones when he spent his career having the protection slide his way, all of a sudden he starts producing. Then maybe Aaron Donald's getting some more one-on-ones, which is a terrifying thought for some interior linemen. So I I feel like Donald's the biggest winner in this whole thing. Maybe. He may be. I know this. The Rams are – they're saying we're winning a Super Bowl. It doesn't matter what it takes. And they've put together a heck of a team, man. Did – did you happen to see the the GIF the Rams Twitter used? Did you see that? No, I didn't. So it's it's the one from Rounders where he like puts all the chips in, and everyone was like, "Yeah, that's great," but didn't he lose that hand? <laughs> that's that's the wrong that's the wrong wrong guy there. Yeah, that's funny. It's well, pretty good. It's pretty good. Maybe all it's right. some foreshadowing there. Yeah, yeah. I was like, hmm, hmm. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I had to go with Odell Beckham Jr. as the loser. Um, Dad puts out the social media post. I knew you were being suspiciously quiet when I brought that up. Yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't burn my my loser. Um, Baker's wife is chiming in now. But here's the thing, man. The trade deadline is coming gone. And the Browns said, yeah, we didn't get any offers that were worth a flip for you. So I'm not going to trade him. Well, now they're telling him not to show up to a game, which that means you're about to get cut. <laughs> All right. And if you're about to get cut, I got news for you. There's not a very good market for guys that are always hurt, have a history of dropping the football as a wide receiver, and create problems in the locker room. The market for that guy is very, very, very low. So Odell, man, I'm telling you, had a had a 
like a two or three year flash where he looked like he was going to be unbelievable. His persona got in the way, and I think he has passed his his time to be a, a big time producing receiver. I it's I think it's hard for people to to realize that he's just not that good of a wide receiver anymore. Yeah. He's not what he once was, man. He's been hurt and they weren't insignificant injuries. Right? And yeah. I, I'm not saying like he still can't be serviceable, but the one hand catching, like doing things that make your jaw drop. That guy's gone, in my opinion. Drops the ball way too much. He dropped the ball way too much whenever he was making all those crazy catches. He was dropping the routine one and and making the crazy one. And the the other thing about him is like it's not like he's cheap. So you talked about all the issues. I mean, there is a there there's a certain number of issues you're willing to deal willing to deal with as it relates to the talent level and to the price of a player. There's a direct correlation with how much you can get away with and how much production you have. And Odell Beckham Jr. is not doing himself any favors in that regard at all. Nope. Nope. Not a good market for a wide receiver in in his position right now. But LeBron James said that they need to free OBJ, so by God, free the man. He'd probably go to the Rams. You know, who knows? Although they're already they're loaded. They're good. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if no, Sean you, McVay would want to shake up the chemistry. Well, who would? Odell would be pissed that Cooper Cup's getting all those balls. Who who would want to want to bring him into their situation? If you're winning, who wants to mess up the 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 way things are operating? If you're losing, who wants to bring him into a losing locker room and make things even worse? Yeah, I I don't know, man. I I he'll catch on somewhere at some point, but it's going to be for way cheaper than he ever thought he'd be playing football for. I'm with you. All right, I'm with you. All right. If you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Okay, Ted, we did have a request. Someone would like for you to say, the it's made from blue corn that's fancy corn so when we get to that part this was a straight up request that we got so also you got to snag some about balcony's baby blue corn whiskey it's made from blue corn that's the fancy corn and that's why it has won more than 25 awards last but certainly not least you got to buy some of balcony's pot still bourbon it's big flavors make it perfect bourbon to drink year round in 2012 Balcony Single Malt won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery ever to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcony's products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. 
To find a liquor store that has it, visit balconiesdistilling.com. Dude, I don't make the rules. I just I take the requests from the listeners, man. I'm like the worst actor ever. You've got my lines for me, and then you you have to be like, line, and line. <laughs> okay, so for winner of the week, thought about going with Shea Gilgis Alexander. Boy, I, I, I know the Thunder are one and six. I know they blew a nine point lead with two minutes and forty four seconds to go against the Clippers on Monday night because I was watching it and I was sad. But man, I, I'm telling you right now. SGA is damn good now, and it's it's fun to watch. And it's fun to watch, and his shot-making has gone to a different level this season, and he still is getting that weird stuff. He gets to the rim in weird ways, and he's still he's adding to that. He's stronger now, so he can absorb a little more contact. But clearly the thing that is standing out to me and to everyone that is watching the Thunder play. By the way, Ted, are you even watching the Thunder games? You don't have to lie. I don't watch the NBA until Christmas. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I think a lot of people are kind of like that, by the way. I I have a very limited amount of things that I can keep up with. Okay. Well, then this is important for you to hear since you okay. haven't seen him do it. So he has developed this like side step into a three that like almost hits the ceiling. And he's really good at it. I don't. But it's clearly something he worked on all offseason, and he's creating a lot of space to get his jumper off. And it's it, number one, it looks really cool. Number two, he's having some success shooting the ball that way. He's also really developed, you know, off the dribble, step back, you know, stop and shooting a jump shot. And man, it just it looks good. I mean, his movements are still awkward as hell, but that's just that's just his body. He can't help that, but. It's it's fun to watch, and probably the only thing that has me more excited than SGA's scoring is Josh Giddy. Oh, my gosh. He's amazing. Sign him to a lifetime contract, Ted. I know you haven't seen the kid play. You're going to love him when you see him. I've, I've seen some highlights of him, like whatever they're playing and like they're tweeting some of the highlights out. I'm shocked with how fluid he is. Okay. It's just... It's a weird it's 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 so fluid it's it's interesting it's weird. We were led to believe remember going into the draft we were led to believe that this guy was some just like awful athlete that could barely shoot the basketball like it, they almost made it sound like he had had trouble physically getting it to the rim. Shooting. Right. The shot looks great. I mean yeah. the percentages aren't out of this world but they're I mean they're fine. His handle is fantastic. His vision is fantastic. The speed he plays at is great. Like, he pushes the hell out of the ball in transition. I mean, he went right at Paul George in crunch time on Monday night. Blew by him. Blew by him, laid it in, and then pulled up. You know, dribble pull up right in his face. Like, I was sitting there going, oh, Lord, take me. This is amazing. (laughs) Like I was, I couldn't have been happier. I was just sitting there with a big smile on my face. How good do you think you can get? That's a great question. I don't Dude, know. He's young. He's 19 years old. Yeah. How I mean, old is, I, how old is Luca? Early twenties. I mean, not old at all. Yeah. But can he get 
to Luca's level, I don't know, man. I mean, that's well, I'm not saying I was just wondering like what what age he was because he had some good success right out of the gate. And I know that he played professionally for a couple of years overseas. And I know Giddy has, but I, I just I wasn't sure if maybe he was a little bit more veteran whenever he came into the NBA than Giddy. That is a great question. And I I don't know. I think that I mean Luca can't be that old. No. Right? Let's look at it. This is this is great podcasting right here. Me googling Luka Doncic's age. Well, I think he. I think he. He's twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah. So because he yeah, was like he age. was playing professionally like at a really young age, you know. So yeah, crazy. Yeah, I. I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I'm excited. But there. I sorry, I went down a rabbit hole there. I apologize. My my winner of the week, the Atlanta Braves. Right. And we rarely talk baseball on here, but it was was pretty cool seeing them win for the first time since 1995. I remember the, that team in 1995. Like I was only five years old, but I actually I remember I remember I had the uh, I had the Greg Maddox baseball with all the grips on it. And I was like, dude, I'm the next Greg Maddox. There's <laughs> there's absolutely no doubt. Turns out not so much, but just happy for the city of Atlanta. It, it was cool seeing Freddie Freeman uh, win a title. If you haven't kind of dug into his story, it's pretty, pretty interesting. But even though Freddie Freeman hits the home run and Joe Buck is like, in what may be the last at bat as an Atlanta Brave, and all the Atlanta fans were like, what the hell, Joe? Why, why, why did that have to be part of the call? He was getting roasted. On there Twitter, is, but- I'll just tell you this. There is no chance the Braves are letting him go. He's about to get paid. They should. They should. I, that city appears to to love that man, but it is. It's. I. I just enjoy watching watching teams celebrate a championship. It's fun, and it was a boring ass game, man. Seven nothing. Boring series. There's no drama. There's no drama. It was very boring, but. Still cool. Uh, actually, I caught up on succession in between like the fifth and the last out. And I was like, all right, I'm done. I got two episodes in, turned the game on, watched him win. But, you missed nothing too in between there. Yeah, Zero. missed nothing. <laughs> missed nothing. But it was, it also didn't suck watching the Astros lose. I won't lie. But did you see the guy that predicted that this would happen back in 2016? Did no. you see this tweet? No. So this guy named Cole Rogers, he was texting his buddy and he was like, Hey, when we graduate, the, the Astros will beat, or excuse me, the, the Braves will beat the Astros in six games and the two 2021 world series. And it was like on October 25th, 2016, when he tweeted the screenshot of it. Wow. Sorcerer. That's crazy. Hey, I can you? It was an exciting game for that guy, right? Oh, can you imagine? Yeah. That's awesome. If I, I, I just really hope that guy made a lot of money because that's like the longest, you know, the furthest one back that I've ever seen where someone called something like that. I was like, damn, this was five years ago. He got his hand on that uh, that sports almanac, I guess, right? Oh yeah. 
Oh yeah. Awesome. Okay. Loser of the week. Whew. Thought about going with Henry Ruggs. I mean, we we keep it lighthearted on here on here for the most part, but what an awful, awful life altering mistake. I mean, driving drunk, driving over 150 miles an hour, killed a 23-year-old woman and her dog. I just, I mean, there's no excuse, man. I don't know what else to, what else to say. And he's going to go to prison for a while, man. Yep. I mean, they're they're going to make an example out of him. Yep. Uh, Didn't shouldn't have happened. Should no. never happen. I. It's annoying. He's he's probably going to spend the max for that charge is 20 years in prison. Obviously, a bunch of fines. Um, I don't know, you know, the reckless driving charge that they can tag on it. I don't know. I think it's got a max of six years, but I don't know if that's tagged on the top or you serve it um, together. But, man, just. It's heartbreaking for so many different reasons. Just taking over. It's well, the frustrating. I mean, there's a million things about it that are frustrating, but he's driving 156. And what it looked like to me, that's a surface street. That wasn't even a highway. Not that it would have been okay on a highway, but like there's a stoplight there and it's like in a neighborhood. I mean, it's, it's just it's horrible. It's idiotic. I will say this. When I was playing for the Titans, they had they had a car service that would come pick you up anywhere any night of the week. If you took an Uber, they'd pay you back in cash. I I don't know. I hope the league has something in place by now. I don't know. Right? I guess I could ask some of the guys that are still playing, but there's for an NFL player, and it's I, I'm not trying to it's not okay for anyone to drink and drive, right? We all know that it's wrong. We all know it's dumb. We all know it's incredibly selfish. And there are so many options now, right? There's just no excuse. But the league needs to make it damn near impossible for this guy to, for these guys to do this. It's not, it, it would not cost a lot of money for them right. to do it. And, and maybe guys would still do it because, you know, guys are, you know, at times they're dumb. But I just think the NFL, they, especially after this, like this is this, not only was it everything, you know, everyone in sports was talking about this was on the national news, all that stuff. They got to do something if they, and maybe they already did. So I could just be saying all that for nothing. Well, here's one of the things that the, all the teams will, they have a driving service and they have all that uh, there and it's provided for you. But here's the thing, man. NFL guys already feel like the team is trying to keep tabs on what you're doing. And that even though it's like this is there for you and this is honestly to keep you guys safe and to keep everyone on the roadway safe, the guys I don't think would use it because they feel like it will be used against them. You know, Does that make sense? Yeah, and I don't know but- that it would or wouldn't. And it's not a good excuse, but that's not a, like that's not a reason to get behind the wheel. 
I'm just saying that's a reason like they don't use the team stuff, right? right? It's that's easy, why I think it's easier than it's ever been to get a ride with Lyft or Uber. I mean, that's in the history of mankind, it's never been easier to get a ride home. Just just building in the NFL PA dues, right? Yeah. Just make it a make it a PA thing. Don't even involve the league. Yep. And, and once again, that could already exist, <laughs> and we we could just be coming up with these great ideas for no reason, but. I just, there's, there's got to be something in place. There's got to be. Okay. But my loser of the week, Oklahoma State basketball. Okay. I'm going to try to stay calm here, Ted. The NCAA rejected Oklahoma State's appeal and has banned them from the NCAA tournament this year, the NCAA tournament this year, all because an assistant coach five years ago took some money from people and then tried to play some players at Oklahoma State. It didn't even, it didn't even work. Didn't even get it done. And uh, at one point, Jeffrey Carroll got $300, which he paid back. That got, not only, they, they've got a reduction in scholarships, they're on probation, they've got recruiting restrictions, and they don't get to play in the NCAA tournament this year. And... Even though when OSU found out, they fired Lamont Evans' ass immediately. And, and even though the NCAA didn't charge Oklahoma State with any of the major violations, Oklahoma State didn't get lack of institutional control. That The NCAA invest, investigation, they said they didn't even find any recruiting violations for Oklahoma State. And the players the current players for Oklahoma State are being punished for something that happened five years ago that they had absolutely no part in. It is the dumbest thing the NCAA does. It is ridiculous. It makes the NCAA look like a joke. And they never... the, The worst thing Oklahoma State did was cooperate. They never should have done that. They never should have trusted the NCA. When they came out and said they were cooperating, I said, no, don't do that, right? Because we saw what happened in Missouri when they cooperated, and then we saw what happened in North Carolina when they fought it like hell with lawyers. Kansas, same. Kansas, yeah. So I... Documented evidence with Kansas, you know, and the NCAA comes in, they just say, nope, sorry, no. We disagree. We're fighting it. We appeal. We're we're going to drag this thing out and stonewall forever. I will say this. I, I love Mike Boynton. I've had the pleasure of interviewing him a lot on my serious show. So, you know, me liking him, it, it certainly factors into the way how the, the how I feel about this. I, I, I know it does because I have a lot of respect for him and the way that he goes about his business in the way that he's building that program. But I don't understand. Like, the NCAA, right, their whole thing is we, we do what is best for the student-athletes, right? That's the whole thing, right? They're supposed to care about the kids. They're supposed to care about the players. This is bullshit. This isn't caring about the players. It's not caring about the kids. It's punishing these kids for something 
that Lamont Evans did. It makes no sense. I mean, it, it, it makes absolutely no sense. They're punishing kids for something that happened five years ago. And for them to hand down this ruling a couple days before the season starts is even worse. And it, I'm sure you saw Mike Boynton's press conference, Ted. Man, I agree. No one should ever cooperate with the NCAA again, ever. Because they're a joke. The fact that they gathered all this information, did this investigation, had Oklahoma State cooperating cooperating every step of the way and did this to them is absolute bullshit. Yeah, I agree. It is. I I agree with he what he says about cooperating with the NCAA. I don't think anyone should ever cooperate with anything that they say. Um, that doesn't mean that I think people should cheat, but you know, whenever the whenever the the punishment like this doesn't fit the crime, and whenever the the punishment is selectively enforced to certain teams and not other teams. Here's why I think the NCAA is one of the scummiest, just vile organizations there is. They shove down our throat nonstop about how great they are and about how they're there to help the student athlete and how they're a champion for diversity. And they tell us nonstop. They run commercials to tell us how great they are. Think about that. But we know that they don't care about any of that stuff. All you have to do is take a, I mean, just a skin deep dive into any of their rulings and things that they've done. Uh, And the list of horrible things that they've done to players and coaches and programs. And um, it's just, it's, it's just, it's terrible. Now, here's the thing. It's very simple, and I think it just points directly as to why I think they're scummy as hell. Why did they issue the ruling now and not last year? Because of Cade Cunningham? Because of Cade Cunningham. Because the number one draft pick, overall pick, they wanted him to play in the tournament. Why did the NCAA want him to play in the tournament? Because the NCAA is the the only championship that they run is the basketball championship, right? That's their cash cow. That's where they get all of their money by that tournament. So they wanted to make as much money as they could. So they allowed Cade Cunningham to play in the tournament and they would just wait. No big deal. We'll issue the punishment next year. It's scummy as hell. It's dirty as hell. It's rotten. It's pathetic. It's, a, it's it's just, it's vile. And that's how we feel about that. Mm-hmm. I think we've established not big fans of the NCA. Nope. I will say, Bob Bowlesby came out and said that as, you know, at, as of now, Oklahoma State can't play in the Big 12 tournament. They should find a way to make that right. They should find a way to make it right. I'm just saying, this is 
you said it. The the punishment does not fit the crime. I don't I don't know. Maybe this is the NCAA hanging on to what little power it has left before it gets destroyed. But them doing stuff like this is only going to expedite the process of people wanting to destroy them, to break away from them. Stuff like this. They're not doing themselves well, any favors. The only way that the NCAA takes notice is if you hurt their their bank account, right? That's the only way they take notice. And the only way that they could get this thing treated right and rectified would be that other institutions get their back and say, no, nope, uh-uh. nope, if this is how it's going to be, we're not going to. We're not gonna. Uh, we're not gonna play. We're not gonna pay. And I, that's a big thing to do. And no one wants to risk risk that. But that's the only way they would learn their learn their uh, learn their lesson. Yeah. Oklahoma State banned from the NCAA tournament over like three hundred bucks. Meanwhile, Kentucky's entire basketball team just signed an NIL deal with like a, an NFT distributor. What are we doing, people? I mean, what are we doing? And on that note, episode 161 in the books, we'll have a new podcast. Podcast? We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Toby Rowland, our guy. Yeah. Going to recap OU season up to this point and have some fun with our man T-Row. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from 2 to 6 on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from 3 to 5 on Series 6 and Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. Do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.